assholes, my name's Kelly, and you're listening to Semper Fucking Spits. Before we continue with this episode, I just want to clarify, as usual, that I am not a mental health professional. I am not currently affiliated with any branch of the military, nor am I affiliated with Veteran Affairs. I am no longer active duty. There is nothing professional about where this podcast comes from. I'm simply a veteran with my own experience and history of dealing with both the VA and my own mental health. Let me be very clear. These are my stories and my experiences, written and researched from my point of view and my opinion. It's mine. Mine, mine, mine. My hope is to bring resources to veterans, to bring change to how mental health is viewed, and to help stop self-inflicted death or harm within our veterans' communities. If my stories, resources, guests, or even my voice can help, my goal will be obtained regardless of how successful this may or may not become. Some of you may have noticed a huge upgrade to my logo, my album cover work, my Facebook media, my TikTok media, and just generally my presence via social media has just changed completely because Lotus Circus Design has revamped and redesigned and recreated my 2002 Microsoft Paint Dock into a beautiful, beautifully created design. I literally went into like Adobe Illustrator and like merged a heart globe with an eagle and was like, mm, Semper Spitz. And Becky was like, nah, baby, I got you, girl. So Becky and I have known each other for over 10 years. I started roller derby back in 2011, and she was already playing roller derby for the team that I first started with. Her work is amazing, and I have been watching her designs and artistic style just soar over these last 12 years. So if you need graphics designed for your podcast, social media, business cards, etc., hit her up. She is amazing. Her creative work can be found on her website, lotuscircus.substack.com. And I will also be putting that in the episode notes. Um, She also started her own podcast called The Sideshow, which you can find via her website as well. Check out her work. If you need anything done, she is amazing. Again, like I said, she will take your designs and your ideas and make them what you want. I could not have envisioned a better design for this. I wanted something a little darker, morbid, because I'm a Slytherin, and, like, obviously the Marine Corps' gold status of, like, everything is gold. So I was like, this is perfect. She took my designs and just made them for me. So, again, if you guys need anything from graphics to, you know, websites, Anything, you can find all of her work and hit her up because she is seriously great. In my last episode, my anxiety got the best of me and ruined my favorite fucking quote. So let me clarify. Your pain will either be your prison or your platform. You choose. Since getting out of the Marine Corps, I've used my pain as both. That first summer, I just embraced freedom. I road tripped, I traveled, I applied for a few jobs and just hung out. I hadn't been, you know, outside of the workforce, nine to five, like Marine Corps life in seven years. So I kind of let loose. I was given a separation stipend. So I kind of was able just to chill over the summer and not jump right into a job right off the bat. But that kind of meant I was spiraling. Like Snooki was trying to find the beach with me, hashtag spiral squad, meatball for life. Because I was drinking, I was partying, I didn't really care until it was 2 a.m. and I was alone. That summer I was staying with friends and trying to figure out my life 
post-Marine Corps. Around the end of the summer, I finally broke. I was fucking hammered, pretty blacked out, in and out. I don't really remember a lot of it. I really just didn't want it anymore. I didn't want anything. I didn't want to breathe. I didn't want to live. So, trigger warning. I walked into my bathroom, and I was looking for a prescription. My roommates walked in and took my bottle, unknowing if I had taken anything. They called EMS, and EMS basically was like, we can either force you to come in, or you can, you know, self-check in, <laughs> self-checkout at Walmart, but for your mental health. So, obviously, fucking hammered, I was going through some shit, I knew I didn't want to be, like, forced to go somewhere, so I voluntarily went with EMS to the hospital. So, I blew, like, actually, I didn't blow, they took my blood test, and it was very high, like, very high. I hadn't drank in numerous hours by this point, and I was still probably triple the legal limit to drive, so definitely not in any state. Um, given this, they put me on a 72-hour hold, which is pretty standard. Um, the facility, it was the weekend. The facility let me sleep it off over the weekend. I was able to speak to a doctor, and he ultimately released me, like, first thing Monday morning. We agreed, like, bitch, quit drinking go to the VA. <laughs> the VA. Like they were going to help. But I did have a disability compensation appointment that week for my mental health. So I was able to get some of these emotions off my chest and documented as it was still fresh. I had just gotten out, but it wasn't a fix. There wasn't any follow-up. There was no options. So I just went back to the spiral squad. I put the bottle down for a little bit for a few weeks and then fucking spiral squad. I don't want to continue my life story because no one cares that much, right? But honestly, like, this cycle was never ending. I was pushing my drinking just far enough to avoid judgment, but enough to, like, temporarily cure my pain. I was crossing that line. And in 2015, I fell in love. It was my first real relationship with a woman and it was the scariest thing in the fucking world to be so open and vulnerable. Women are just different lovers than men. And that brought out a very soft side of me. When you're vulnerable and soft like that, it is scary. Especially for someone like me who really hadn't been able to be that soft vulnerable person in so long. It's not easy to love when you go through parental abandonment. It's not easy to love when you're constantly told you're not good enough. Now add all the other traumas into your life and it's hard to love. And look, I'm not using this as an excuse. Like, I was a sheet, a piece of shit because I was broken. Like, no. But I was broken, which was making me be a piece of shit. I thought that I knew, like, what mental health was and what anxiety and panic attacks were at this point. Honestly, like, I've had anxiety my whole life. Like, I was one of those people that was confusing little butterflies of excitement or nerves for, like, full-blown anxiety. Because in the summer of 2015, fully in love, engaged to who I thought was my soulmate and building my life, my butterflies turned into anxiety and my anxiety turned into panic attacks. And I could barely function. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't hold a job. My entire life was just closing in on me. I couldn't even go to the stores to get necessities. Like, I couldn't grocery shop. I couldn't, like, get things. Like, I was at home. I should have been a better partner by, like, doing things at the house or, like, the grocery shopping. But I couldn't even do that. Most days, I couldn't get out of bed. 
I remember one instance in particular. I had just started my period, and we didn't have anything at the house at the time. So I talked myself into going to the store. I was able to drive the little bit of distance to Walmart, but I couldn't get out of the fucking car. I finally talked myself out of the car. I calmed myself down, and I walked to the door. These doors opened, and it was like on the grocery side, and you could see like the long hallway down where it kind of separates like the grocery side to like the clothing side or whatever the fuck, right? That long-ass hallway just began to like tunnel in on me. And I was hyperventilating, but I didn't realize I was hyperventilating until like I was running. Like, what the fuck? I turned around and I stopped and I was like, what the fuck, Semper? You're fine, bro. Like, it's just fucking Walmart. Like, go in there, get your fucking tampons, and let's go. So I turned around, and I tried again. And this just was not happening today. That tunnel vision just continued. I almost felt like I was about to pass out. And so when you're in that fight or fucking flight mode, you're just like, you can't think. Your mind is fucking spiraling. Like, I used to tell people, like, I don't understand anxiety because it's all in my head. It's all not in my head. It's all in my body. And it's different for everyone. My body hyperventilates. My body starts going into overdrive. My body is in fight or flight mode. My heart rate is escalated. My You can see it in my chest. You can see me hyperventilating, breathing. It's all body. I'm shaking. And in my head, I'm like, bitch, you're fucking fine. Like, go get your fucking tampons. But your body's fight or flight mode is telling you that there is something wrong. And bitch, I fucking ran. I ran all the way back to my car. And I fucking broke. And I had to call my fucking fiance at the time to come get me from the Walmart parking lot. And please don't forget my fucking tampons. Because I'm bleeding. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I never had these issues before. Like, I didn't know what was wrong with me. Like, why is this happening? There must be something medically wrong with me, right? Like, I, I don't understand. Maybe I'm sick. Maybe I'm maybe I have cancer. Maybe my body is trying to tell me something. So I swallowed my pride and I went to the VA. At this point, we are looking at fall 2015. I had only been out for maybe a year, maybe a little more than a year now. And the VA immediately tried to diagnose me with a fucking personality disorder. But now personality disorders do run in my family. But the VA was trying to diagnose me with a personality disorder because I told them that my confidence was gone, that I didn't feel like who I am anymore. The example I gave them is I used to be able to play roller derby in front of thousands of people with no issues. Now thousands was exaggerated because it was more like hundreds, sometimes only a hundred. But regardless, I could get on that track because I was Semper fucking fight her and I played my heart out. But now I could barely skate at practice because of this anxiety and because of this issue that I'm going through. So no, VA, it's not a fucking personality disorder. It's called anxiety. But anyways... That's math for Marines. So they threw meds at me, right? Typical VA. Take this. Change your fucking socks. All right. Instead of Motrin, they're giving us fucking Zoloft and shit, okay? But I don't take meds well. I really don't. I'm one of those people that will literally, like, react poorly to meds. Like, most people get 
fucked up on pain meds and fall asleep, I get hyper as fuck and start cleaning. Like, I don't know, I'm just weird. But these meds, they fucked me up. Like, mood swings, worse anxiety, bigger panic attacks. I was turned into a fucking shell of a human. Like, I was physically there. But mentally, emotionally, I was nowhere. I was a zombie. And in typical VA fashion, we were not properly dosing and weaning me off of these drugs. I would just try one for a week or two, let my primary know that I'm an angry goblin, and he would put me on something else. He wouldn't wean me up. He wouldn't wean me down. So finally, I just stopped all meds, let everything get out of my system, turned into a bigger shell, slept for fucking ever, and went to the VA again. This time, I demanded care because I couldn't function. I couldn't live a normal life. I had a full-blown panic attack and passed out in the VA waiting area. And if that isn't the fucking textbook definition of how the VA is, I honestly don't know what is. So at this point, they finally decided to run my labs. So let's, let's go back. I went there, let's say, September of 2015, because it was around that time. October, November, December, January. I finally went back five months later. And now they decided, let's test everything. We'll give you a million-dollar lab test, is what they called it. Because they were testing everything, quote-unquote. My blood work, my labs, everything came back normal. So it was confirmed I was just fucked up. Thanks, VA. You want to send me to therapy now or no? Okay. All right. VA doesn't have therapy. We'll get there. He finally put me on venlafaxine, which is also called Effexor. Also a beta blocker for my anxiety attack. So basically, he said if I knew I was going to be in public, where I knew it would trigger an anxiety or a panic attack to take it prior to leaving the house. That way, it lowered my, you know, heart rate. It worked, you know, with time. Venlafaxine got into my system, and that helped until it didn't. Because if you're on venlafaxine, or if you've ever taken it, you know that if you mix it, if you miss it, you get these brain zaps that are just fucking insane. Like, I have no idea why. It just, it's it's insane. I can't even explain it, regardless. Also, at this time, it was helping, but it wasn't completely pushing my anxiety away, so we bumped me up to 150 milligrams. So he did wean me up this time, but mostly because I was pushing this boat. I was guiding this. I was ready. I was done with my anxiety. Another thing, on venlafaxine, they tell you, don't drink. That's it. Just don't drink. Okay. Fuck you. I'm going to drink anyways, because everybody does, right? But really, on venlafaxine, you shouldn't drink, because it really, really is not great for your mental health. We'll talk about it. (laughs) So I continued to spiral. I got angry. I was the person I didn't want to be. Alcohol creates bad emotions for some, and a lot of us broken kids, they don't understand the effect that that really has. Looking back now, if I had just put down the bottle and picked up a fucking blunt, we'd probably be in a whole different place right now. But I didn't. I kept cycling. To the point where I pushed everyone away again. My fiancé and I got married in September of 2016, but by Christmas she was done. I knew she didn't deserve that life, and deep down, I had to let her go. We separated in 2017 and divorced a year later after North Carolina's one-year separation period. We had literally been separated longer than we were even married. We were so fucking young. 25, 26. So fucking broken. Both of us battling our own demons. So I moved to Raleigh and started again. This time I was 27 and a three-time divorcee. Marriage was clearly not for me. 
<laughs> and my hopeless romantic self attempted to slide into my lesbian fuckboy phase. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Prior to my wife and I separating, I had started working for a tech company part-time. So moving to Raleigh meant moving to full-time and eventually becoming a supervisor. Working for a tech company pre-COVID was like everything millennials wanted from a career. This was another one of those things that you just find your shit and you obsess over it. You pour your fucking heart and soul into something to forget everything else going on around you. I worked and worked and worked. And about a year later, I was managing 12 employees around three states for this tech company's in-person support. And this is probably what saved me this time. I didn't have time to sit and dwell on the past to deal with my heartbreak. I didn't have time to take care of my health or my mental health because I had work to do. I was traveling all over the two states in Savannah, Georgia, and when I wasn't traveling for work, I was going to Disney. I had an annual pass. My two best friends did, and we just, like, took three-day weekends every two months. It was fucking amazing. I kind of dated, but nothing serious, and I ultimately left this tech company in 2018. In 2019, I decided to move to Texas. Like, what the fuck? People always ask me, what? What? what the fuck brought you to Texas? Like, you're from Boston, you lived in the Carolinas, like, why Texas? Well, my older brother had gotten out of the Marine Corps and married, and at this point, him and his wife had decided to move to Texas. So once in Texas, him and his wife found out they were pregnant, and my decision was made. I needed to be around my family. I needed to be grounded by them, by my brother, by my dad. I didn't have a purpose at this point. After leaving my tech company, I just drove for Uber and did random ass shit to pay my bills. Luckily, like, I am a disabled veteran, so I have that income, but like, anything extra was like, eh, fuck it, I'll drive for Uber. So I moved to Texas. I moved to Texas and put everything into a storage unit. I lived in my camper with my other brother, my little brother, and our dog for six months. And in that time, I was able to find a job. I sold my house in North Carolina. I settled into an apartment. And like, life was good. I was making good fucking money. So the job I ended up taking was a civilian contracting job with the United States Marine Corps. And holy fuck, it had been five years since I got out of the Marine Corps, since I looked at an aircraft logbook, since I wanted anything to do with it. But I needed a job, and the money was just too good to give up. This brought a lot up for me. But now, I was seeing the Marine Corps as a civilian with a fully developed brain. And I just wasn't impressed. Nothing had changed. The reserve squadron I was with was amazing. Nothing ever stood out to me, like from their command or anything. But being back in that environment, it was like bad vibes from the jump. A lot of shit came up for me. Like the slaving away, the not being appreciated, the constant green weenie, fucking Semper Gumby, stay flexible. But then like, I worked four tens and had a three day weekend. So the money was good. I was ready to fucking travel. I had a whole travel itinerary for the year of 2020. But we all know how 2020 turned out. Fucking COVID. 
I don't need to remind you guys of COVID 2020. This was a year of a lot of mental health issues within our society. But shortly after COVID shut down and our world exploded, Vanessa Guillen was reported missing in Fort Hood. Trigger warning. Vanessa Guillen's story is a lot. But I feel like on this platform, it needs to be shared. There is a documentary on Netflix called I Am Vanessa Guillen. And it aired this year. The documentary outlines her life as well as her family's journey for justice. I am not a true crime podcast and I would never claim to be. But sharing victims' stories is something I will always do. Vanessa grew up in Houston, Texas. Her mother described her as a fighter and a dreamer. Vanessa played soccer and loved being on the field. She was a typical Texan girl. She was super girly, but could get dirty too. Growing up, Vanessa used to tell her family she was either going to be in the army or an astronaut. That was it. Those were her dreams. She's either going to go to the moon or fight for her country. On her 18th birthday, she came home and told her mother, it's the army. I enlisted. Vanessa graduated high school in 2018 and left for army, army basic training at Fort Jackson in South Carolina. Vanessa's MOS was a 91 Foxtrot, 91F, which is a small arms artillery repairman or woman. So basically she fixed guns and was a baddie in the armory. After MOS school, Vanessa was stationed at Fort Hood, so close to home, right near Houston. Fort Hood has the sex the Fort Hood has the highest sexual assault rates of any base in the US military. They've had two mass shootings and a sexual assault rep was investigated for Pimping out female soldiers. Yes, pimping out female soldiers. A sexual assault ref, rep. A sexual assault. Ah! A sexual assault rep from the United States Army was found to be charging people to have sex with his female soldiers. Human trafficking, gun trafficking, missing soldiers, dead soldiers. This base was clearly a good old boys type of gun club. Vanessa went home every weekend. Every weekend she went home and spent time with family, with her fiance, with her sisters. Shortly after being stationed at Fort Hood, her mental health was declining. And you can see it. You can see it in her fucking Twitter posts. You can see it in her fucking Instagram. You can look at this woman's social media. and You can watch her dreams being in the army in her view of the army just fucking dwindle she started to hate it all she ever wanted was the army she was so happy so bright after basic training after training after MOS schools and then she got to Fort Hood 
the great place is what it's called. But it is a black fucking hole for soldiers. In December of 2019, Vanessa told her mom of an incident that happened in her command to one of her, quote, friends being harassed. A while later, she admitted to her mom that it wasn't a friend, it was her. On April 22nd, 2020, Vanessa was off that day due to the COVID restrictions on base, but somehow received a text to come in. She had plans that day and had told the friends that she had plans with that she had to go into the armory and she would let them know when she was done. Those friends were named Tay and Landy. I'm just going to call them Tay and Landy from here on out. Time goes by and Vanessa wasn't answering friends or families, families' calls or texts or anything. And eventually her phone was shut off. They knew that her texts weren't being delivered. There was no ring. It just went to voicemail. And so Vanessa's sister, Myra, contacted Vanessa's fiancé. And he said, you know, we ha she ha he hadn't heard from her either. And so Myra went to her mom and was like, I think something's wrong with Vanessa. Like, she's not answering. She's not answering me. She's not answering Juan. And her mom was like, call base, find my daughter. Where is she? So Myra calls base. She spoke to some staff sergeant. And the staff sergeant said, oh, yeah, she was supposed to be at the armory. And she's missing. Like, what? So Tay and Landy, who were supposed to go hiking with her that day, the two soldiers that she had plans with, also worked in the arms room. And they went up there. And they were like, where's Vanessa? And no, everyone was like, she was here. Her car keys were there. Her driver's license were there, was there. Her wallet was there, but she wasn't. Where the fuck was Vanessa? So Tay and Landy, they knew something was wrong. They were like, what the fuck? So they're trying to get answers. Meanwhile, Myra's trying to get answers from some staff aren't. He's gaffing her off. So Myra and Juan, they end up getting in the car and going to fucking Fort Hood to demand answers. They get up there like 3 a.m. The dude doesn't answer his phone. So Myra and Juan, they go get a hotel room. You know, they try and sleep. I mean, nobody can fucking sleep at this point. So the next morning, My Myra and Juan, they get up, they go on the base, and they start looking for Vanessa. The steps arm is like, Hey, you want to look in her barracks room? See if you can find anything missing. And she was like, Myra was like, that's kind of fucking shady, bro. Like, I'm paraphrasing. Because, like, if she's missing, why would you let me go in there? Like, isn't that a crime scene? They're like, no, 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 no. We've got her ID right here. He pulls out her ID, her car keys, everything. Some random staff sergeant just has all this shit. A staff sergeant. Like a fucking E6. Like... Nah, dude. And at the time, the parents, Vanessa's parents could not go on base because they were immigrants, because they immigrated from Mexico. The MPs, Army CID, which is like their, you know, investigative team, apparently. They're ever, they said they're looking for Vanessa. They're handling it. And Myra was like, this seems like a fucking joke. So... Some time goes by, maybe a week. Army CID is overwhelmed and on COVID restrictions. So they finally hand it over to the police and say, hey, we have a missing soldier. So the police bring a bunch of people in and like start questioning people, right? So the last person that was reported to see Vanessa was some dude named Robinson. 
So Tay, when they went up there, said that Robinson had said, oh, I sent her to motor pool. And that's the last time I saw her. So Robinson is claiming Vanessa was sent to motor pool. Tay and fucking Landy were like, if Vanessa was sent to motor pool, why are her fucking keys and shit here? So they were like, that's fucked. Something's wrong. So Tay and Landy, great job, told on fucking Robinson saying, hey, this is fucking sketchy. Here's his number. A week goes by. There are no updates, no answers. Nobody knows where this 20-year-old fucking soldier is. Like, come on. So Houston, the Hispanic community, and the Guillen family took to fucking social media. And find Vanessa Guillen's Facebook page was created. They started protesting in front of Fort Hood, demanding fucking answers. I mean, Vanessa's other sister, 16 years old, standing outside of Fort Hood, scream crying about her sister. Nothing. Four weeks go by. Nothing. June, six weeks. Nothing. At this point, Myra and the Guillen family were over it. They were fucking done as they should have been. And they hired a lawyer. Natalie Kwam. And I probably said that wrong. So we're just going to call her Natalie from here on out. She is an experienced military lawyer who took Vanessa's case on pro bono just to be there for the family. They didn't know, do we need a lawyer to protect us who is out there? Who killed our sister? Or who took our sister? Because at this point, there was nothing. We didn't know if she was missing, if she was dead. What was going on? So Natalie was like, I got you. And she took over the investigation for the Guillen family. All this hard work that Myra was doing on her own, Natalie was like, I have connections. I have a network for you. She brought that in. And when Texas when Texas EquiSearch came on to help, the Army was like, no, 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 no. This is an Army issue. We are going to search. No, 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 Texas EquiSearch was like, fuck you. This is public fucking land. I'm not on your base. I'm searching around your base. Clearly, y'all don't know what's going on on your base. And the Army wasn't giving up any information. I mean, they weren't telling the family anything. Two months go by. Two fucking months after Vanessa went missing, Third Corps at Fort Hood decided to make a statement saying, we're searching for Vanessa Guillen. That was it. That was it. No update, no leads. And look, I get it. I listen to enough true crime to know that sometimes they keep things close to the pocket to try and catch the real people, to try and get the real story. And not to give, you know, things out to the fucking public. But this was bullshit. You don't have to release things publicly, but you should probably let the family know what's going on with their fucking person. Myra and her family were over it. I mean, who wouldn't be at this point? It's been two months. Two fucking months, and they have nothing. They have not given her any more information that she couldn't have found out through social media, word of mouth, and Vanessa's friends. So she went to social media again, and she posted about Vanessa's sexual assault and harassment. This is when the hashtag I am Vanessa Guillen populated. Stories upon stories of survivor stories, sexual assault stories, rape stories. Every female in the military 
active, veteran, retired, has heard, seen, witnessed, or been Vanessa Guillen. Every female I knew related to Vanessa in some way. Vanessa was us. We saw ourselves in her. Vanessa Guillen's disappearance finally spotlighted the sexual assault that our female military members really go through. The harassment. In this social media campaign, hashtag I am Vanessa Guillen, it opened up so much for us female veterans. I also posted a picture and a story that I want to share. In this picture, I was posted in my blues with my medals, just like the picture I chose of Vanessa next to me. She was wearing her army equivalent. And the caption or the post said the following. I've struggled with seeing these posts and not knowing how to share my story. How to share the hundreds of stories I've witnessed, heard, and read about. Vanessa was the same age as I was when I joined the Marine Corps. Our stories are similar. Every female I ever talked to that served or served in the military has a story, some worse than others. I don't want to go into the details of my own. I don't want to bring up those emotions right now but I see you Vanessa we see you we hear you something has to change do not allow the women in your lives to continue this unwanted legacy that female veterans are enduring we must protect our sisters in uniform Hashtag find Vanessa Guillen. Hashtag I am Vanessa Guillen. Hashtag justice for Vanessa. Hashtag we are Vanessa Guillen. The hashtag was used so much and story after story flooded our socials. Women were not standing town today. Horror story after horror story was being released by the media regarding Fort Hood, and America was finally seeing their daughter's pain. The inability to be viewed as fucking human by most men in the U.S. military. Military installations around the fucking globe rallied around Vanessa and her family, the globe. But the U.S. Army at Fort Hood, they couldn't even fucking help. And it turned out that there wasn't just one person making Vanessa feel uncomfortable. There was two. Both of her, both of these people were her leaders. They were in charge of her. So she didn't report it because she didn't think anything would come of it because she probably saw the thousands of fucking reports up before her of the same fucking two douchebags and nothing came of it to the point where the army came out after the fact and said, okay, 
where we'll admit there's some foul play. But she's lying about being sexually assaulted. What the fuck? She is a victim. And she is missing and you don't know her story. You don't know her fucking story. Whew. I'm getting fucking heated. Just like Myra was. Myra's sitting there like, who the fuck are you covering up for and why? The military was like, we're not covering anything up. And then you got female veterans like me that are like, that's sus. That sounds, that, wait, wait a damn minute. Because if my ass didn't show up, or I went missing, and my ass wasn't at the barracks, there probably would have been a fucking police call walk until I was fucking found. I mean, look, I didn't have the easiest career in the Marine Corps, but, like, if I went missing, some people would have been like, what the fuck? Where are you? So now the Army's like, all right, we can admit it's probably foul play. Still no answers. On June 30th, 2020, Myra woke up to reports of human remains being found. Shortly after, Tim Miller from Texas Eco Search called and confirmed it was Vanessa. Myra composed herself and had to tell her family. She said, and this fucking kills me. They found our girl. She was murdered. At this time, Robinson who was probably the biggest suspect at this point, was being held for violating COVID protocols, according to the U.S. Army. So when reports of a body being found started re, you know, going out, homeboy was like, all right, I'm going to head out and escaped from Fort Hood. What the fuck? How the fuck? Does some fucking corporal escape from a military base? They find this kid walking six miles off base and try to confront him when he pulls out a gun like a little bitch and offs himself. Really? You had one fucking job, Army. One fucking job. So you had a lot of fucking jobs and you didn't do any of them. Let's be real fucking honest. So the army makes a whole fucking media show of it when they go to fucking talk to the family. And there it is. You know, and I will say, it was probably maybe more the media making a circus of it. But the army's fucking media officer, public affairs office, should have known better. Because it's all there. Fucking chaplain pulls up, officer pulls up, they get out, they knock on the door. I w obviously the family was fucking angry. And they still didn't receive answers. The army was just there to show face. Oh, oh we got to do our duty, our casualty officer announcement when we come to the door. They had a lawyer. They were very public about this disappearance. The army should have done better for this family. They should have at least set up a meeting 
somewhere. I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't there. I wasn't in the army. I wasn't in the family. I don't know. But Jesus Christ. So from this, Myra was not sitting down. And she started to introduce the Vanessa Guillen bill to Congress. And Myra has been an amazing advocate for female veterans, for sexual assault survivors, and for military sexual trauma. I think Myra stepping up and doing this for her sister ensured that she stepped up and did this for every female and every victim in the military. The Vanessa Guillen bill was merged with another bill, and it does protect the victims in some ways. In others, it doesn't make sense. But that's just another fight that we have to keep fighting to protect victims, to protect our sisters, to stop this legacy for female veterans. There is no way to wrap up an episode like this. It is heavy. But I did receive a Fuck It Up Friday listener story fairly quickly after I posted my first episode. And this message kind of, it just kind of made me really enforce the need for my listener tales and for my stories and for stories to be brought into this podcast. So I've known this veteran for a while, and although we didn't serve together, I know enough about her and her story that this is just one of those, holy fuck, I have to tell it. So she knows who she is. Thank you so much for letting me share your story. I'm going to read this as she wrote it with a few twists so that we protect the privacy of those involved. Dude, I just finished the episode. I totally have a similar MST story, but mine was never reported while I was in. I was deployed to Kuwait. It was 2003 when we first went to Iraq. I was friends with a lot of the dudes in one of our S shops. And I was doing OJT with them to learn the job. OJT is on the job training. They did a movie night and would go take a truck out in the desert, flip up the back hatch, set up a white sheet, and use a projector to watch movies or shows. I got invited one night and was pretty excited to have anything remotely fun to do. It was me, a male sergeant who was married and I was social with his wife, a male lieutenant, and another male staff sergeant. I didn't really know him yet. So we set up on the outskirts of camp and they start passing around a Sprite can. I mean, clearly it was a Sprite can. They offered me some. I didn't really think much of it and kind of just took a swig. It was straight up rum. I nearly spit it out because I wasn't much of a drinker and definitely wasn't the one to get caught drinking on deployment. It was then that the whole fucking mood changed and they took their focus off of the show we were watching and started asking me personal questions. I started getting really uncomfortable and then the one guy that I trusted, the one that I knew his wife, he started trying to grope me and unbutton my camis. I jumped out the damn door so fast and just ran back to the hooches trying to figure out what the fuck just happened. I was embarrassed that I put myself in that situation and pretty much blamed myself for it for years. Another dude in that shop, a fucking chief warrant officer, offered me $800 to have sex with him later that week. Still on deployment. And then he kept telling me what happens in the desert stays in the desert. What a fucking skis ball. 
He even wrote that in my damn logbook I had passed around to get goodbye signatures in. Bro, I wanted to peel my fucking skin off. I was married and a corporal, and everyone knew my soon-to-be ex was a serious dirtbag. But yeah, I never even reported my shit till I was working through some of that trauma with the VA. I have so many horrible stories of how I was treated and taunted at every turn of my four and a half years. Also, I was part of Stop Loss in 2003 while I was deployed, and we ended up having to stay for an extra five months on that deployment. Bro. I just, I had to share this story, and thank you again for letting me. Because that is just so common predatory behavior. And that's what people don't understand about the military sometimes. No, not every man was a piece of shit. But a lot of these men that do these things, it's a fucking trend. It's a fucking inevitable. I mean, these predatory type men are being taught this by their supervisors, by their leaders. And again, no, I'm not saying that every fucking man that enlists in the U.S. military is a piece of shit. I never said that. I would never say that. But there are a lot of military members that have highly predatory traits. And this was in 2003. Mine was in 2013. 2011. 2011. So 2003, 2011, Vanessa Guillen, 2020. There's a woman on the documentary on Netflix that was sexually assaulted in the fucking 90s at Fort Hood. What is changing? What is fucking changing? Because to me, it doesn't seem like there's much changing. The unfortunate side of change is that we got to make some fucking noise to make some fucking change. Vanessa and her family and their lawyer, they did a lot of that legwork for us by getting this out there and bringing it to the attention. But we, as a society, failed them by not pushing harder, by not lifting them up higher. And that is the whole purpose of a platform like this is to bring change. So let's get into it. Let's talk about mental health and actually emphasize the importance of it. Let's not be about it, y'all. Let's fucking do it. Please like, subscribe, and whatever else those hardcore influencers say because I have links on links on links in a link tree. I will add them all in the episode notes. If you could please follow me on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts, cast, podcast. That is the best way to help me grow and populate more of a listener base. If you like my content, please consider leaving me a review. Interactions help me grow. So anything you can do to help me grow. If you want to write to me, send me your fuck it up Friday listener tale. Send me your fucking resources. Whatever you have, send it. Semper.spitz at gmail.com. Linktree is linktr.ee slash semper.spitzpod. Instagram and TikTok are both at semper.spitz. Patreon is the best way to support me in this adventure. Please consider signing up to my Patreon. I just need a little money to get started. Anything additional would be super helpful to get my setup better, help me with editing, marketing, etc. Basically, Patreon is to get paid. I only have one tier right now, and it's called Shit Talkers. But for $10 a month, you can be a Semper Spitz shit talker. I'm designing some t-shirts, so be out on the look for that. Don't forget about YouTube at Semper.SpitzPod. 
nothing there yet, but please prescribe, so, please prescribe me some medication. Please subscribe for now. Then you'll get alerted when I start uploading videos. All these links are in my link tree. Okay. I love you. Bye.